All right, welcome to Sewer Signals, a podcast on utility experiences with wastewater surveillance. I'm Anna Marotra, Director of the Wastewater Surveillance Program at the Water Environment Federation, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Scott Bessler, who has bravely and graciously agreed to be my first podcast guest ever. Hey, Scott, welcome. How are you doing today? Hey, Anna, I'm doing well. Uh, excited to talk to you about this great topic. Awesome. Me too. So Scott serves as the Assistant Superintendent and Programs Branch Chief for the Compliance Services Division of the Metropolitan Sewer District of Greater Cincinnati, or MSD. He holds degrees in Biological Sciences from Northern Kentucky University. That was a Bachelor's of Science in 2006 and from the University of Alabama, where he got his Master's of Science in 2010. Scott also oversees strategic research initiatives for MSD. And um, I met him when he attended WEF's Public Health and Water Conference and Wastewater Disease Surveillance Summit back in March in his hometown of Cincinnati. And Scott is also a member of the utilities community of practice. So a little bit about MSD before we dive in. Uh, it is a local wastewater utility that provides sewer service and wastewater treatment to more than 850,000 people uh, across 290 square miles in the city of Cincinnati and also outside the city in, the, in Hamilton County, Ohio. A total of about 190 million gallons of wastewater are treated daily across nine water resource recovery facilities. So with the background out of the way, let's dive in, Scott. So we're talking today about uh, testing untreated wastewater to collect information on health um, in a community. And specifically, we're gonna talk about COVID. And as you know, there are many different terms for this whole field from wastewater surveillance to sewage surveillance to wastewater-based epidemiology and so on. Do you have a terminology preference? And if so, why? Yeah, so I, I thought a little bit about this uh, prior to the call um, and I've used a number of different terms for this, but one of the drivers of how a utility functions is, you know, being uh, driven by the, the Clean Water Act and the regulations that are around the Clean Water Act. Um, and it seems to me that EPA and CDC kind of use different terminology when it comes to, you know, describing how, um, or describing, um, you know, what, you know, whether it's wastewater surveillance, wastewater monitoring. I think I'm of the camp of wastewater surveillance now. I think that's my uh, preferred description. And I would say that uh, because of kind of the discourse that I've seen um, following some folks on Twitter after um, after the meeting uh, mm -hmm. that we talked about the, where we met at um, and hearing their perspectives from the public health side uh, and how there's already kind of a framework set up for the term surveillance. And I think it fits really well uh, into this world. I think uh, there's probably going to need to be some thought um, on the regulatory side uh, you know, with, with EPA and how that kind of cascades down to the utilities um, and, you know, what verbiage they use in the future. So I'm of the, uh, of the opinion that wastewater surveillance is the, the, the okay. right. Yeah, those are, those are all great points. And um, 
and and I know you're talking about that, you know, there is this historical field that's called public health surveillance. And that's kind of why this term surveillance gets used. But anyway, so then we'll talk, we'll call it wastewater surveillance for, for our purposes today. Sounds good. For sure. So tell me a little bit about how this all got started at MSD. You know, when and how did your utility get involved and get going with its wastewater surveillance program for COVID? Sure. So prior to me joining MSD, uh, a fellow named Bruce Smith and the Ohio Department of Health and the U.S. EPA Office of Research and Development all came together trying to figure out this problem, how we saw, you know, sample wastewater for, for COVID. And this was early 2020. Uh, when this had happened. I didn't join MSD until early 2021. Um, but that was when the program was established. Uh, we monitor at four different treatment plants. Um, and we did for a very long time monitor at one of our CSOs. Uh, those are great long-term data sets from March 2020 to present, essentially. Um, so that's kind of how it got started. It got, it got handed off to me uh, after Bruce departed. He's now with US EPA. Um, and I've been just kind of fostering it along and, and working with the Ohio Department of Health uh, to make sure they get their samples on time and I get them their flow information every week. And it seems to work really kind of seamlessly. Uh, it's not a whole lot of work on our part, which is great. Oh, that's great to hear. Is there an official title for the program? You know, we don't actually have one. Okay. I mean, we're, we communicate the fact that we are doing it through our social media channels, but you know, we're, we are putting out the Ohio Department of Health coronavirus and wastewater dashboard information. Right. That's, that's what we're communicating. Okay. So we don't have a real title for it though. Maybe, you know, I could come up with one in the future. That might be Some a good clever idea. acronym. Yeah, yeah, right. Everybody loves a good acronym. <laughs> yeah. And so that, that's your primary partner is the Ohio Department of Health, right? Yeah, right, right now it is, yeah. Okay. Uh, the US EPA ORD was a, a huge partner throughout the startup and then first year and a half of data collection. Mm -hmm. They are since then getting out of the um, COVID and wastewater analysis business, and that's all being centralized to a laboratory in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. So all of the samples from around the state are going to end up there at some point. They're in a phased um, a phased shift now. Gotcha. Okay. Do you work at all with local health, your local health department? Yeah. So we had a couple of uh, attempts, I guess you would say, when I first started at MSD to bring local health departments here uh, to make them understand what, number one, how hydrology works, what a sewer shed is, what a watershed yeah. is. Uh, I find that that's a huge disconnect between the folks in the public health world that think in terms of case numbers, neighborhoods, um, and the way that utilities think, especially wastewater utilities, in terms of how water moves, right? Um, so those those meetings weren't really all that fruitful. Uh, I'm actually in the process of trying to restart that now with the, the help of uh, some better technology. Um, so I got a, a possible pilot study that I've been talking with our public health folks here uh, in the city of Cincinnati so they can inform uh, us on where they want us to sample inside of our collection system. So hopefully that takes off and, you know, we get some really cool information out of that. Yeah, that would be cool because up until now, you have been sampling at the four facilities, right? Correct. Have you done any sampling up in the collection system so far? 
Yeah, we had one long-term collection okay. at, a, at, at our big lick run CSO. Okay. So that's that's if you are familiar with our permit, which you're probably not CSO five. It's one of okay. the one of the one of the the bad actors that's been fixed now as a part of our consent decree. They did Got a big pool sewer separation where there's a nice stormwater channel uh, above ground and then a, a tunnel underneath it that carries the the sewer to the main interceptor. Okay. Um, and okay, and who actually collects the samples for you? Is it MSD staff? Is it that's what I yeah. Guess, so but. so this works seamlessly, I think, in a lot of health departments that have those, or I'm not health departments, and utilities that have those uh, you know, auto composite auto samplers that are pulling influent right. you know, all the all the time. Uh, that is a that was already an established process here where you know, we collect a 24-hour composite, a little sample gets pulled off, packaged up, shipped off. And our, actually, our plant operators uh, collect, okay. collect those samples. Okay. And then the lab splits it off, and then the lab ships it. Uh, your, your utility lab splits it yep. off. And then our lab, it. yeah, that's right. Gotcha. Our, 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 uh, our environmental lab here. And you said that ORD had been running the samples, but they're in the process of... of moving over to a different lab. Where are you in that process right now? We have shifted as of the end of March. Okay. So other utilities haven't. It's I think they're phasing it to try okay. to control the load that's coming into that Ohio Department of Health lab uh, in, I think it's Reynoldsburg, Ohio, even though I don't okay. know exactly where that is. But I remember hearing that somewhere. So do, do your utility, just getting really into the weeds here, do your utility lab folks have to, do they courier the samples? To this new lab, do they ship them overnight? Do they do they drive them themselves? Like, how does that actually work? So at first, we were we were taking the samples up to the EPA lab because it's only about four miles away from okay. uh, our, oh. our our central facility. So that's a that's obviously why the partnership started in the beginning. Is you had interest from EPA and you know MSD was right here and we had relationships with them already, uh, and we were currying them back and forth. Uh, it was sometimes our sampling crew that was doing that. Sometimes okay. it was a courier service. Uh, now we are shipping everything. Gotcha. So we're boxing it up and shipping it. To okay. The, the central lab. Okay, and in this central lab, still just looking at SARS-CoV-2. Are they looking at any other targets in wastewater yet? As far as I understand, they are only looking at uh, just SARS-CoV-2. And okay. um, I don't know if they're looking at variants right now. Uh, they don't put that on their dashboard. There's no right. information on variants that's thrown out to the public at this point. Um, that doesn't mean that that couldn't happen in the future, but yeah. I'm not sure. Has there been any talk about different, about either variants or different targets, you know, influenza, RSV, antimicrobial resistance, anything like that? Do you think? So I know that there's a lot of interest from okay. uh, US EPA on other, other uh, you know, stuff that they can monitor, like that list that you threw down, especially antimicrobial resistance. That's something they're very interested in. Uh, I haven't heard anything from the state level health department, but the conversations that I'm having with the local health department right now. Um, I have asked them sort of for a wish list of what they want to sample for. So hopefully, you know, they'll be able to inform that conversation. Yeah, that's a, a great idea because that would also make it more likely that they'll be engaged, right? Yeah. They can help define that, that list of targets. That's awesome. I think that's really, Anna, what you need in this is, yeah. is the utilities and the local health department working together to understand the needs uh, of the health department and what a utility can do for them. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Um, all right. Here's, here's kind of the big question. We talked a little bit about the Ohio coronavirus wastewater dashboard that also gets fed into the CDC's national wastewater surveillance system dashboard, right? So the data are, are out there, but how do you feel like the wastewater information for COVID is actually being used, um, you know, in, in your region? Um, I think that's a really great question. And I think it depends on who you talk to uh, in the public health sphere mm -hmm. on how they are using it. You know, I think there's probably health departments, local health departments in Ohio that are making decisions based upon that, uh, you know, actionable public health decisions based upon that information. But that's likely not the case across the state mm -hmm. uh, because a lot of local health departments are resource strapped and county health departments are resource strapped. They just or they don't have the capacity, you know, to, to even really understand what this uh, what this uh, wastewater data means. So I think that there needs to be, and that's kind of the, the torch that I'm going to try to carry, having those relationships between uh, utilities and, and local public health folks to really give an understanding of, you know, how wastewater collection systems work, how wastewater treatment works, what watersheds are, and how they overlap with the neighborhoods that they're more concerned with, right? Yeah. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, how do you actually interpret the data? What trends should you look at? Should right. you look at quintiles? Should you look at the actual concentrations? Should you look at normalized? You know, there's a lot there. Um, yeah, and I'm not an epidemiologist. You know, I, I, I'm a compliance guy by background. Um, mm -hmm. This is a world that's completely new to me. So I need those health, health department epidemiology trained folks to help me understand, you know, to how I can use the data in my everyday life. You know? Right. Yeah. I mean, do you ever hear, so, you know, I, I live outside Boston and we're all a little obsessed with our local wastewater data. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it is awesome. So the public is very, um, well, you know, as probably not all of the public, <laughs> but um, a lot of us are really interested in what the wastewater data look like for Boston. Mm -hmm. So we will sure. go check it out on a daily basis. Do you get the sense any, you know, any members of the public in Cincinnati are looking at the wastewater data? Or so not I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm fairly, I'm a lurker on social media. Let's put mm -hmm. it that way. Uh, so I, I, you know, I go on the Cincinnati Reddit page and, and I, I'm, I, I'm reading about that. I'm into sports. So like, you know, I read the stuff about the Reds and the Bengals that's on there. I, I'll tell you, I have never, seen anyone post anything there related to uh, COVID and wastewater at all, or Twitter, or places like that, um, that, you, that, you know, I, I, I lurk on. I just, I haven't seen it. There's okay. been some, some, local, some local and state kind of level news stories that have come out on it, and, you know, you might get one person posting it, but nobody, nobody comments on it. Okay, interesting. It. <laughs> well, there's still time. Yeah, and that's like, you know, I... I, I would hope that the pub, that the local public health department would have the means to communicate that, but right. I just don't know if they've figured that out yet, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's tricky to, to convey the data meaningfully. Yeah. Um, okay. Here's another question I know a lot of people have is, how is your program funded? So right now we don't receive any support from anywhere. We do this, you know, kind of as, I guess you would think of it as a service to our ratepayers, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a very small labor cost for us to do this. It fits into existing sampling schemes that we already have. 
So the, the barrier to us doing this sampling at treatment plants is very, very low. You know, it's basically pouring another yeah. sample off of our composite and putting it into a, a, you know, a cooler and shipping it off to the lab in, in central Ohio. So there is certainly some time involved in that, but what you're saying is you're kind of able to absorb it yep. um, into your overall staffing responsibilities. Um, yep. Okay. And I think we have the capacity to, to do more of this kind of stuff in the future now that, um, you know, things are cooling down, it seems, at least here locally, uh, yeah. our wastewater signals aren't showing the jumps like a lot of other places are in the country. Well, I'm, uh, I'm glad Canada to too, you know. Yeah. yeah, I really, truly, yeah, I'm glad to hear that about um, Cincinnati. Okay, if there was one thing you had known, so I guess you, you came on board in 2021. So if there is one thing you would have known about this whole wastewater surveillance program when you started in 2021, um, you know, one thing you wish you had known when you started, what would that one thing be? So I think I didn't figure out that there was this huge chasm disconnect between local public health folks and the utilities at that point. I thought that they were already talking to one another and, um, you know, had this kind of figured out, but it does not seem like that is the case uh, here locally. Uh, like I said, I'm trying to fix that right now. There are places in the country where they've figured that out. Um, you know, I think up in Michigan, uh, some of the work that they've done up there is, you know, kind of a model on, I think, how you can bring state, local, and uh, lo state and local health departments and academics and utilities together. Yeah. They have a weekly call that they, uh, that's Great Lakes Water Authority that does that. They have a weekly call where they talk through the, the different areas where they sample across their collection system. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a great model. I'm trying to learn from, from those folks. Yeah, I mean, it's tricky, right? Because health departments have been really, really busy. So as yeah. you point out, now that maybe things have, have, are slowing down with respect to COVID, that will give you that window of opportunity to strengthen those relationships with your local health departments, which For would sure. be very valuable, I agree. Okay, so if people want to learn more about what MSD is doing, what you are doing, what's, what's the best way for them to get more information? Who should they reach out to? Sure, so you could... I mean, you can provide them my contact information, Anna. You can reach out to me in, in regards to any of our strategic research stuff that we're doing. You know, we have outside of the wastewater surveillance world, I'm very interested in emerging contaminants. I'm interested in disinfection uh, technologies, uh, energy saving mechanisms, mm -hmm. things like that. So, you know, if you have got something going on in those, in those worlds uh, and, you know, you might need a medium-sized utility from, you know, Southwest Ohio to help out. I could be your guy. Okay, awesome. And then yeah, we have we some, can... we have social media channels too. You know, we have a Facebook page. We have a uh, Instagram, which I don't know the handles on those uh, right now. And then we have a, um, a Twitter account. Yeah, also. you're on Twitter. And I can provide all those, um, those links in the, in the notes for this episode. So I'll sure. go ahead and do that. We could use the followers. We, we okay. like followers. So you heard that Scott wants followers. So <laughs> I don't run the social media accounts, but, uh, <laughs> I do know the, uh, the, the woman that does and she would appreciate it. Okay. Follow. All right. Well, we'll see if we can help you out there. Awesome. Okay, I have just one more question for you because I can't talk to someone from Cincinnati without talking about chili, which as you know, is your most famous food. Although I've heard that many consider Cincinnati chili to not actually be chili, but that's probably a whole other topic for a different day. But here's my question. 
Skyline Chili or Gold Star? Which would you choose? So uh, <laughs> this is a, as you can imagine, hotly debated topic in and around Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky. Uh, if you had asked me when I was in high school what my favorite was, I, I squarely aligned with Gold Star Chili. Okay. Um, I, was, I was in the Gold Star camp. Uh, I stayed that way probably through mid-college. Uh, and then I, I switched over to the Skyline camp. And so I think I've happened, been there. Scott? Why I've switch? been there ever since. So they're both, the problem is, Anna, is they're both awesome. Uh -huh. uh, it kind of in their own way. Uh, they're, they're the same, but they're different. Uh, and, you know, right now I, I would say I'm, 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 I'm in the Skyline camp. Uh, so I guess that's chalk one up for Skyline, stamp that on there okay. uh, right now. Uh, but I want to give a plug for like, those are two of the, the big ones in town. There's a couple of other really great mom and pop ones that are out there. Camp Washington Chili is one, which is okay. you know, about two miles north of where our largest facility is in, in, in the town of Camp Washington. And then I'm a resident of Pleasant Ridge. There's a Pleasant Ridge Chili, which is incredible. It's a great little diner spot. Uh, and then across the river in Northern Kentucky, Dixie Chili on Mama Street in Newport, Kentucky, uh, is probably, in my opinion, top shelf. That's that's my favorite one at the moment. Okay, that's good to know that there are chili options. You don't Tons. have to just go with one. There's like sixty or seventy mom and pop offerings. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it's a really neat regional cuisine, you know. And like you said about the. The stuff about it being chilly yeah, or not, who cares? I would actually agree that it's probably not. It's more of a more of a, a hot dog sauce, like yeah. they would call it up in Michigan. Yeah. Oh, awesome, Scott. Well, there you have it. Wastewater surveillance in chili in Cincy. <laughs> You'll be able to find links to MSC's website. We'll link the mom and pop shops, um, the Ohio State Wastewater Dashboard, CDC's COVID data tracker, all the social media pages for MSC in the notes to this episode. So I just want to say thank you so much, Scott, for taking the time to talk with me today. Um, no problem. I really appreciate it. Right. I, I really enjoyed myself. Thanks, Anna. Thank you so much. Bye.